You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 271 of the Blended Family Podcast. I've got a great guest for you today, Regine Maradian, and she's going to be talking about post-COVID stressors, uh, specifically how that affects our children and our teenagers moving forward and how to get them acclimated back to life. You know, I know for my kids specifically, um, they haven't suffered too greatly, but I definitely even notice in them, even though they're teenagers and they're older, I notice some increase in anxiety and some different social behaviors. So we really need to pay attention to our kids. You know, if we're having a hard time even coming out of this situation, they are too, uh, and it's really confusing for them. And so today is a great show where we're going to talk about tips and ways to help your kids through this process and get life moving again and get life normal again for all of us. You're listening to this after a holiday weekend here in the States. We had our Independence Day, our 4th of July, and so I'm hoping that you got some time to be with your family and that you got to enjoy yourselves and to be normal again a little bit. You know, the barbecues, the family times, we've missed those things. Do you know what I miss the most is just hugging people. We went out last night. It was um, Sean's mom's birthday. She turned 75. And then her mom also came out, who's 93, and she actually sings. And so we went out to listen to her sing. And we ran into some people that we hadn't seen in over a year and hugged them. And it felt so good to me because what COVID has done, I know, is that it's taken that away from us. Even for the huggers like me, who normally hugs everybody, I hold back now because I don't know how other people are going to receive me. You know, I'm not scared. I'm not, I don't care. I'll hug anybody. But some people now naturally, people aren't hugging anymore. They're, they're standing back from each other. And I hate to see that because life is about connection and we've missed it. And so I hope that you got to connect with some people. I hope that you're doing that this summer, Um, depending on where you live. I know that there's certain rules where some people are, but whatever your capacity is, I hope that you're trying to get back to some type of normalcy as the world opens up around us and we're still looking around and it still looks very confusing and uh, it's still, Uh, very divided, very, very divided. And so keep your family tight and close. And I think you're really going to like today's show. Now, last week, we talked about multicultural differences uh, in a blended family when a blended family is from two different cultures. So that was a really good show. But even if you don't have that type of structure, there was still a lot of good tips, I think, in that show for just traditional blended families, really. Because anytime two families come together, we do have to get over some differences and come to some compromises. So please go check out that show. And as far as next week, I'm not quite sure yet. It is either going to be um, Brittany, a childless stepmom who's starting her own podcast, or it's going to be a solo show, just depending on what my schedule allows. My schedule's a little crazy lately. Uh, We've been increasing some jobs with the cleaning 
just to kind of, uh, you know, fill in the gaps here. And we've got some other things going on that I can't really talk about yet. But anyway, it's just really hectic. And then, of course, you know, with the move and everything. And so just trying to keep it together for you. I don't have a lot of announcements. Although you're hearing this after July 4th, I'm recording it beforehand. And uh, like I said, I don't think we're doing anything, but we're probably going to have a busy weekend just trying to get things together in the house so with that i will leave you to this interview please don't forget to subscribe and like the show and share it with other blended families that you know that could use the help i really would like to reach as many families as i possibly can all right love you guys and i'll see you next week bye living the good life naturally is a self-care company focusing on magnesium Statistics show that up to 50% of the U.S. population is magnesium deficient, which can cause a multitude of health issues including headaches, muscle cramps, seizures, hair loss, and more. Kristen Bowen, founder, created the company out of her own personal health struggles, so she really cares, and she has a mission to help others achieve optimal health. I myself am a huge believer in these products, and I use them on a daily basis. It's been especially helpful for my anxiety and my pain. Try the magnesium soak, the magnesium spray, or the delectable bath bombs for an extra treat. And check out the website to see the entire product line and learn more at livingthegoodlifenaturally.com. Or you can go back and listen to episode number 237 when Kristen was on this show. Don't forget to use my promo code BLENDED to receive a special discount. Order today and get your health back. Dr. Regine Maradian is a licensed clinical psychologist, children's author, speaker, consultant, and mental health advocate. In her clinical practice, Dr. Maradian works with children, adolescents, and adults who present with a wide range of emotional stressors. She specializes in anxiety and is a certified clinical anxiety treatment professional. She also specializes in ADHD, depression, eating disorders and body image, and executive functioning training. Dr. Maradian is also a specialist in psychological and neuropsychological assessments. She has extensive medical experience and expertise. Dr. Maradian is fluent in five languages, wow, and incorporates her multicultural background with her clients. And lastly, Dr. Maradian is a published children's author. Her first book, Frankie and the Worry Bees, was released during the pandemic as she found children and teens were having a difficult time connecting and staying motivated over distance learning. She has two more books as part of her Frankie series coming out in 2021 titled Frankie and His Homeschool Adventures, and Frankie and His Special Talent. Dr. Maradian knows how to keep your child motivated and helps parents create positive change in their lives. Welcome to the show, Dr. Regine. Thank you. So great to be here with you. Well, thank you for being here. And I'm really appreciative because we have to talk about our children and how we can help them move forward after what we've all been through. And many of us are still going through as it's not over. And I believe we're only beginning to see some of the effects of which we'll probably continue to see coming out over the next few years from the stress and difficult times we've been faced with. And I think if us adults have a hard time with the current events, we have to know that our children are feeling the effects too. And for them, it can be even more confusing. So Regine, I hope that our conversation today helps to guide our parents in the right direction and how to assist their children 
through these uncertain times. Uh, before we get started, though, I would love to give you an opportunity to tell us just a little bit more about you and how you came to do this type of work. So, yeah, so I, um, it's so interesting. Psychology just pretty much fell into my lap. Um, that's part of the interesting story. Um, I always just innately was just always great with people, a good listener, um, and very empathic in nature. So for me, just falling into this line of work was just a natural, um, my original background, uh, that I had gone into was international relations and foreign affairs. Um, just really loved, uh, that world. It's a world I grew up in. So it was just the natural thing to come into. Um, but I'm here to say that, and I always tell all my seniors who are contemplating college and freaking out over not knowing what to study or what to do. I say, don't worry because the path will, will become clear for you. It, you know, we end up sometimes shifting our way and that's okay because it just makes you more uh, experienced and gives you a wide variety of experiences in your life that you can tackle on to really find out what is your passion and what you want to do. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, so obviously you love the work that you do and you love working with children and that's what we're talking about today. And I want to talk about, we have so many things to talk about, but first, you know, let's talk about coming out of a crisis because that's where we're at right now. We're sort of coming out of this crisis. Um, and sometimes coming out is just as difficult as being in the middle of one. And so I want to first talk about what are the difficulties that children and teens face as they come out of a traumatic time like we've all had in our world, like with COVID and the year 2020. Um, what are you seeing them present with right now? So such, I love this question because it's, it's so primal right now. I mean, I think this is what everybody's kind of asking themselves. Um, you know, it's so interesting because I, I mean, in California, we just, we went back to school for like three months and I think there was this sense of that I was saw fear, excitement, um, a lot of irritability, et cetera. But I, I think mostly is the fear and fear translates then into anxiety. So I think like with any type of traumatic event, there's a lot of anxiety that accompanies it because it is the unknown. And I feel that when we've been bombarded with so many messages, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind and what I'm, what I hear a lot is, well, you're going from, you know, the message of stay away, stay away, keep your distance to, oh, well, now we can get together. Now it's okay. And now we're, today is June 15th, actually in California. Um, masks have the mask mandate has been lifted as of today so there's this sense of huge celebration but at the same time i think we're not really hearing about so i'm so glad you're bringing this up the trauma piece um that a lot of us probably have not even yet felt yet i mean i think it's just so new um and we've never been in a pandemic before yeah. Yeah. And coming out of this thing, we don't know what we're stepping into. And we all know that it's not even completely over because there's still stuff going on. And so, and I love that you brought up anxiety because I mean, we all know that everybody's facing anxiety these days, but before the pandemic regime, I noticed that kids in general had a way higher 
rate of anxiety than back when I was young. And I know that it's the mm. world that we're living in right now. Um, and But now the anxiety has to be just so much more increased. And you're right. It's uh, uh, the fear of not knowing what to expect next. Now, I know that young ones have different ways of coping than adults. And so we can't always tell if they're struggling internally or how much they're struggling. So what are some signs that we might be able to look for in our child or our teenager that signal to us that there's some type of difficulty in getting them acclimated back to normal life, even if they're not really being upfront and open about that? Yeah. So I want to address the first thing you asked, and then we'll go into this. Um, You mentioned something really important, and I get that question a lot is, how come anxiety was not as prevalent or appeared not as prevalent before as to now. Uh, now, meaning, like you said, when we grew up or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking about 20 years ago. And that's because people weren't talking about it as much. I don't, I think it's always been there, like all types of mental health struggles in people. It's always been there. The difference now, and I'm so happy to see, is that we're moving towards uh, more mental health opening, right? I mean, people are just talking more, they're expressing more, they're more authentic in terms of what they're feeling, and they're not as ashamed. So that's one of the reasons I don't think anxiety has necessarily increased in terms of right, in comparison to 20 years ago, it's always been there. We're just talking more about it. Mm. Uh, As a result now of the pandemic, yes, absolutely. The numbers have increased tremendously. And I don't think we've even seen what's coming, what's yet to come. And I think the most important thing is for us to be prepared. So I really like what you're asking because it's all about preparation. And if as parents or caregivers and teachers, we can be alert and aware of what's happening and how it's happening and how it's unfolding and recognizing the signs, now we can help that person that's struggling. So one of the things that I'm seeing a lot and we may be seeing again are a lot of social anxiety, separation anxiety, um, a lot of medical, you know, this this fear of, like I call it kind of like more medical anxiety where you're anxious of getting sick. You are in this place of mistrust because at the end of the day, kids have also been bombarded with all these messages. I mean, just envision at school. I mean, you have period one where they are at home distance learning for 12 to 18 months and then all of a sudden haven't seen their friends isolated to being back in a classroom, let's say in the spring now of 2021, but still with kind of like a lot of these restrictions, you can't play ball, you can't do this, you can't do that, you have to wear a mask. I've seen desks with shields on them, the teachers with mask and shields to, you know, now we're on summer vacation, mandates are lifted, only those who are vaccinated, right? I mean, there's all this controversy And then we're going back now into fall. And I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of let's see what the schools are going to do. But we are in a period of preparation. And I think that really helping our kids um, to acclimate back and conversation is going to be really, really important. And recognizing, you know, anywhere from biting their nails or um, stomach aches or feeling withdrawn Um, not necessarily sharing as much as they used to. I think anger is a really huge one. Anger and fatigue, I'm seeing a lot. Mm, I see that in a lot of adults too right now. So it's interesting that you say um, for kids, and we don't always think that, right? We look at our teenager and we don't think that maybe the anger or the fatigue is coming from the trauma. We just think it's part of being a teenager. So I'm glad that you said that. And I think as parents, we really need to 
be watching and monitoring our kids for some different type of behaviors, but it is going to look different as they acclimate back. I mean, we don't even know what it's going to look like. And gosh, you're in California. I know you're in a completely, um, you said you're in California, right? Yes, yeah, you're yes. in a completely different, totally different world than I'm in because I'm in Florida. And mm-hmm. as I've been talking about on my show, Florida doesn't look like the rest of the country or the world right now. Um, we're just, things are just a little bit different here. And so everyone's perspective is different. And I also wanted to talk, you know, about this with you because when it comes to blended families, right, we, these kids are hearing different stories and perspectives from sometimes Mm -hmm. each side, you know, they go to mom's house, they go to dad's house or whatever their parents' house are, and they're hearing different opinions and different um, ideas about what's going on. And there's also different rules sometimes in these two different homes moving forward. And I know Mm -hmm. that that's really difficult for kids too, when it comes to living again and knowing what to expect when each house looks so different too. So do you have anything to add about that? Yes. I mean, I I love the topic of blended families because, you know, just being blended period is hard enough. Imagine now adding this layer of uh, COVID and rules and imagine everyone has a different perspective on how they feel. And so I think, again, I I think it goes back to if you have two parents, obviously, who are not together and they're in a separated situation is you know, if possible, is, is really communicating our needs and our wants, right? And and what we feel comfortable. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to agree with one another, but how do we come to a middle ground to agree on, I, I don't know, let's say the mask wearing, let, let me just say mask wearing, for example, because kids under 12 are not vaccinated, right? So that could, I could see this as a potential conflict. Imagine you have mom saying, uh, no, don't worry about it. You don't have to wear the mask when you're with me. And then when they're with dad, dad says, no, you have to wear the mask right there in a blended family, even in a family that's together, that can cause a lot of conflict. So I think what I always have been so adamant about is, well, we can't control number one, what happens in someone else's household. I think a lot of times parents just have to be able as a co-parent couple, um, let go and be able to respect that person's space, right? Because they're no longer in that space um, and do the best they can when they're in their space. But I think with the mask wearing, it just kind of concerns me because number one, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, health, we're talking about confusion for the child. So I always say, think about your child. Your child always comes first. This is not about your opinion. This is about how your child may be interpreting that message. So kids always come first. And I think that when when I say this to parents, a lot of the times they just suddenly are listening, right? They, they see it, they start putting their egos on the side and about who's right or who's wrong. And they kind of understand that concept because this is no longer about you as a couple. This is about your child or children. Um, And I think something like, since we're talking about COVID, I think this is such an important message is that let's agree at least on something when it comes to that, because otherwise it's just going to create confusion and stress and, you know, and, and I think it just builds this lack of trust with the child. Yeah. Yeah. It puts the child in a very difficult situation too, because they don't, they don't want to disappoint either of their parents, um, but they really Mm -hmm. don't know what's right. And they respect and love both of their parents and both of their parents' ideas. And so it is very difficult and we need to be careful with what we are, the pressure that we're putting on our kids. And I know this whole situation is just so difficult as it is. Let's talk about some post COVID type stressors um, because 
you know, maybe we can break down two or three post COVID type stressors that might affect our kids. Um, and like, talk about how we can help them overcome them. Um, I know you brought up a few things already, but so let's, let's see what we can, we talk about. We could talk about, um, you know, going back and acclimating to school. So let's talk about that first. Um, why that is so stressful for kids and how we can help them with that. Okay. So I, I think, you know, one, one of the things I've been also talking a lot about is what are we going, what is possible we're going to be seeing in our classrooms, mm-hmm. right? In terms of symptoms with kids, what are, what can parents prepare themselves? I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying it's a possibility and it's again, let's be prepared, right? So we know what to do. Um, so one of the things that we are anticipating, and there's this, you know, this is what we're calling it. If, if you, if you Google the term, it's already out there, post COVID stress disorder, PCSD, mm-hmm. um, very similar to the PTSD concept, right? This is a, a trauma that we've all been, uh, as a country and in the world. Um, so kids, you know, fearing of getting sick. Um, if you're noticing that your child is not turning in assignments, if you're noticing um, low motivation, right? They're just not motivating to do things like they used to. Um, not wanting to just go to school, uh, feeling fatigued, um, uh, is- isolated, uh, gosh, social anxiety and um, sleep. Sleep is really big as well when they're having just insomnia and sleep dysregulation. So a lot of this is as a result of the lack of practice just in general, because then as humans, we do need that interaction with one another. It's, it's the buildup of that muscle, which is connection, which is so important, which they haven't had. So we can anticipate a lot of these feelings and these emotions and these symptoms until they get acclimated back. Now, I'm really hopeful that the return will look normal as what we remember pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is, then I think we will, they will adjust pretty quickly, um, out of this, but there'll still be those red flags that we just have to, like I was discussing earlier, just to be mindful of them and not ignore it. And that's the most important thing is not to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. to, To be very aware of what's going on with them too, as they do get back into school and as they do start seeing their friends and as they do start getting back into a routine, because we all know that it takes really quick to lose a routine and it takes a long time, right? 21 days to create a habit. It takes a long time for these kids to be able to get back with everything. Is there anything else that we left out, um, of a post COVID type stressor that you want to mention? Well, I, I think those are the big ones, um, but the inattention too could be another one. Um, just feeling inattentive. Mm-hmm. I think the other important part is the devices. Um, you know, just imagine this whole entire year in the ice train and just yeah. being on the computer all day long. Don't forget also just being. Um, you know, when I when I look at this whole concept, I'm just really trying to visualize what we've all been feeling kind of cooped up in this one space on a screen with no human interaction around you. And they've been primed this way for, I mean, again, depending on which state you're in, but let's say at the most 18 months of this, and it's only normal that when you remove them from that, which for a lot of kids, this was, believe it or not, comfortable as a comfort zone to all of a sudden throwing them in to what they 
used to do, which was be in class, routine, getting ready in the morning, et cetera, and attending school and activities. Um, I'm also seeing that the body is not able to keep up with the mind, mm. which means the mind is saying, you can do this. You remember this, but the body's saying, um, this is a muscle that has weakened and atrophied and I just can't do it. So then it turns into the emotion. And I think that's what I want people to really understand is the emotion could look like fatigue, depression, um, irritability. And this is why they tend to then withdraw because the withdrawal and isolation that they may, um, experience is like a protector. It's kind of like their body going into protection mode so they don't have to deal with that certain emotion. So our job as parents is to really open up that portal, open up that vault in order to engage them and approach them. Or in some cases when it gets really bad or, you know, I say almost clinical where they really need more support than the parent is giving is to seek out outside support to help them. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because we've all been through a lot. And sometimes people just need that little bit extra assistance to get them through. And there is nothing at all wrong with that. I want to talk about fear a little bit. We talked about it earlier. Fear seems to be the driving force behind everything that's happening lately. Um, You know, fear of the mask, fear of not wearing the mask, fear of the vaccine, fear of not getting the vaccine, fear of leaving the house. I mean, we can go on and on. How can we help our children move past fear though? Because when parents are feeling the fear in their own way, we can sometimes, you know, transmute that onto our children. And, and we don't want that. We want to get them to move past the fear, even if we're stuck there. So how, how can we do that? So that this is great. Um, I'm, I'm going to use, I think I'm going to use something really quick and simple. Obviously, this is not therapy, but just something that a listener can kind of practice and try at home. Um, so I, I came up with this term. Um, I love acronyms and, you know, make things easy for a lot of my clients and people I work with is I call it the Tepper, Tepper method. So T-E-P-R. Um, so the Tepper method is, is in response to what you're asking. So is how you move from a place of fear to a solution, right? Because the fear is very real, but it's just an illusion that the body takes on and makes it into its own reality. And then the body then shuts down in, in order to protect itself. And I always say, do not fear anxiety, embrace it. Anxiety is healthy. Anxiety is normal. Anxiety is good. Anxiety gets you going, right? Anxiety gets you out of that dangerous moment. Uh, You're running away from a fire or from a dangerous situation or whatever it is. It's there to protect you. Um, Obviously, anxiety can be out of hand and it, it can be debilitating in forms of panic attacks and take full control over you. But it's all about how you see it and how you interpret it. So the Tepper method exercise is, I'll go through the acronyms first. T stands for trigger. E stands for the emotion. P stands for the processing. And R stands for the response. So let's say, for example, you have a fear. I don't know. Give me an example of a fear. Uh, Fear of heights. Okay. Ooh, I just did that one not too long ago in New York. I went on the tallest building. Okay. Are you ready yes. for this? <laughs> so the trigger is I have a fear of fights, heights, right? Fights, <laughs> heights. Um, 
the emotional response that I feel is I feel a jolting feeling in my stomach. I feel I'm probably going to hyperventilate. I probably feel very nauseous. Um, I feel maybe that I'm going to fall. Um, all these illusions as a result of that fear, right? Which is the trigger, the initial trigger. Now, you have to be able to really feel that emotion and you feel it as you're going through this exercise. The P part is the processing part, which I'm going to leave out for now. The R is the response, which is, uh oh, uh, no, I am not going to go on top of that building or I am not going to do that because I am going to avoid that negative feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So what we want to do, which is most most humans, right? Most people don't do the processing part. And the processing part goes like this. Well, you know what? You're going to be fine. You're going to be able to go all the way up there. It's safe. And you can do this. So it's pretty much a form of self-talk, mm-hmm. right? And putting things in two categories, what's reasonable and what's unreasonable. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, you know what? The worst that's going to happen is you're going to feel a little uncomfortable and you have a choice to come back down if you don't want to go. And then you'll try again. Um, But at least you tried. So the processing part is really this self-talk. Now you can do this internally within yourself and it works like magic or as a parent, you can go through this process with your child as well. And the processing is in this situation is, okay, let's really talk about what you are scared about, right? Let's talk about the reasonable, reasonable fear and unreasonable fear. Same thing with it when a kid is scared of taking a test. Same thing when they're scared of, I don't know, uh, going back into a crowded party or space. And there's that fear of connecting now with other people and talking to them because they've been so primed Mm. being alone. And all of a sudden now they have to reintegrate into society. So it's all about pushing yourself to that discomfort because it's when we avoid the discomfort that the problems arise and then it becomes a cycle, right? So the processing is pretty much your own self-talk to yourself. It's your gut feeling. It's your intuition. It's listening to the reason, right? It's kind of like when you walk in a room and you meet someone and that person is just rubbing you the wrong way. You just don't feel you're in the right place and you know you need to leave. Trust your gut instinct, right? Now you can either freeze there and not do anything and just stay in that discomfort, right? Or you have a choice to just tell yourself, well, I'm not feeling comfortable. I'm feeling this emotion. I need to leave right now. And those are just a million examples. I mean, there's so many along those lines. Well, I think it's a great, great exercise and I loved it. And you just showed us how we can actually apply that to anything. And I think that that's extremely powerful. And I hope for the listeners, I hope that you actually do apply that because that's extremely, extremely powerful what Regine just taught you. And I think that as adults, we can, we should be doing that for ourselves as well for our own fears and anxieties. Uh, You know, we talked already about anxiety a lot, um, but I just wanted to take a moment to just talk about some of the signs of anxiety because I know, you know, I have several, I have four teenagers and they all experience anxiety in a different way. And so like my son, his anxiety will manifest as irritability, irritation, and anger. But my daughter will be completely into panic attacks. And then my other daughter will just be really talkative, right? And so I know that it, it manifests differently in everybody. So how can one know when it's their own child? Like, how, how can you tell? 
for, for, and I'm saying this for people who really aren't familiar with anxiety. I happen to be a person who, you know, ha- has had anxiety in my life and I, I struggle with it. And so I know how to recognize it in other people, but I know not everybody can do that. So I, I think you, wow, you're a pro. I think you, you mentioned all the different forms. I love how you described how it can manifest as aggression. It can manifest as irritability. Um, it can manifest as um, also if you, if you put, I put anxiety kind of like in two categories, um, the introvert type of personality who's anxious and the extrovert. So the introvert anxious person is the person who will internalize a lot of their feelings and the feelings will then in turn manifest as physical symptoms. And the physical symptoms can look like, you know, nauseousness, overthinking, uh, insomnia, uh, headaches. So anything that can manifest as a medical, more of a medical physical problem. And sometimes they do a really good job at hiding it. But as a parent, if you can be just really keep an eye on these little things that may appear, oh, you have a stomach ache, what did you eat? Or you have a headache. But if it's happening, you know, more days than not, then it could be a serious sign of anxiety. The extroverts, on the other hand, like you described your daughter, are the very, you know, they're talkative. Um, They may have very rapid speech. They may be the kid or teen who just can't be quiet at a table and who wants to take over the whole meal and no one can get a word in. And that's really, I call it just that anxiousness, that is also a form of protection for them so that they don't really feel those emotions that they're feeling. Mm. And I really think it's important. You don't want to put them on the spot when that happens. I think it's a really important conversation to have afterwards and to have them really reflect on what just happened. And if they noticed, you know, how much they were talking, do they really give an opportunity for other people to share? Because if we don't nip this in, right, as parents, when it happens, and even in a family situation, we're doing them a disservice, right? This is not about you criticizing them. This is not about you putting them down. Absolutely not. This is about you guiding them and showing them because then this can manifest at school. It can manifest with other people. And then what's going to happen is they're not, there's not going to, people are just not going to want to gravitate towards them because they're going to feel that they're taking over the entire situation. So I I feel that anxiety can just show itself in so many different ways. Um, And in little guys, the little kids, let's not ignore them. It's separation anxiety, right? Where um, they will have crying bouts of crying, um, tantrums that are lasting for hours. Uh, So it can really show itself in so many different angles. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of that. I think that that's really helpful for parents who aren't sure. Now, I know we talked about some of the short-term effects, what we're stepping into now, but Regine, what do you predict as the long-lasting psychological effects of this last year and the time that we're moving through now? Uh, What do you predict, you know, far into the future with that? And is there a way to minimize it? Well, this is why I, um, I, back in January, I was already really concerned about what I was seeing. You see, when I, when I wrote Frankie and the Worry Bees, it wasn't planned. It just happened. Um, and it came as a result of me really having to think on my feet 
on, oh my goodness, how am I going to connect with children and teens and parents over Zoom? How is this going to even work? Um, so as a result of the book, this was back in March, so I saw this pretty rapid. And then starting in January, I started becoming a little more concerned with the aftermath. I could really see the symptoms unfolding, all these things we've talked about today. And um, I put together a group of women and, and we created Team Project Rise. Um, so people can visit. It's called teamprojectrise.com. Uh, we have a petition and online to sign just to get support. And we are in the midst right now of creating a teacher training program. So due to right, what our fears are of what we are going to see. And this is, this is the concern is we are going to see the post-COVID stress disorders manifesting. We are going to see um, all these things we've talked about. Uh, teachers, I think, are going to have a really hard time handling this. And so this is why it's so important for us to really talk about this and teach them what to expect, just like we talked about today, and really recognize the signs and symptoms and to know what to do in that situation to better support. I am so glad that you're doing this special training for teachers because that's something that I hadn't even thought about, you know, is that the teachers are going to have a hard time helping the children through it because we all know that sometimes the teachers are with our kids more than we are. And um, so that's really fantastic that you're doing. How do people find out about that? Because I, I actually know a lot of teachers. Um, so what? how do they find out more information on the, the teacher training? Yeah, so we are in the midst right now of uh, finishing it up. We're, we're creating it. Okay. Um, it will be about, you know, don't quote me on this, about 45 minute long um, that we are going to offer to all the schools. So we will have updates on our website. So the website is team, T-E-A-M, project, rise, R-I-S-E, uh, dot com. We will, as you know, people can kind of check in on there. We have also an Instagram account, team project rise, um, and we will update as we go. And we would love to offer this to all the schools across the nation, uh, to teachers. I think it would be also great for caregivers as well, um, just to get this information and to be aware. I think it's all about education and awareness. It absolutely is. And you make sure that you let me know um, later on when that's ready, because I'll announce it in the group and I'll re-announce it on my show. Um, so, okay. So just a couple more questions for you, Regine. I know that we're getting to the end here, but I just wanted to know when it comes to our kids, because kids have crazy behaviors as it is, right? And so all of the things that they do, sometimes we don't know what's normal and what's not. And so what I want to know is how does a parent know when these post COVID effects, you know, whether they're normal behaviors as opposed to something more serious that actually requires special attention? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's a good, excellent question. Um, you know, I feel that we each, each of us, as we know, all our children are so unique and it's really important for us to listen. You know, I go back to our intuition as parents and don't ignore it because I feel that parents can recognize a lot of the times they choose to not recognize it maybe as a form of avoidance or thinking that it's just going to go away. Um, as early as you see something out of the norm and out of the norm, as you know, your child is, for example, um, you know, for me, what I'm seeing a lot is just the depression, the depression and the anxiety and this feeling of not wanting to be with anyone and just sleeping and fatigued, you know, 
you know your child best. So if your child was a social butterfly and starts behaving that way, you know this is cause for concern. And don't even hesitate. And I love how you said earlier, um, talking to someone doesn't mean something's wrong with you, right? I, I really, we really have to decrease the mental health stigma because I feel that we all need someone to talk to. Um, it's important because therapy and coaching is a, it's a very non-judgmental place. It's a place to share your emotions and to purge. I call it, you know, it's a purging process and really to learn new ways and how to open your mindset and see things in a different way. It's not the same like you're talking to mom or to dad. It's not the same. As a parent, there's so much that we can do to help our kids. There's kind of like a limit there because you could be the best math teacher in the world. And if your kid's struggling with math, what are they going to do? They're going to fight you. They're not going to want you to teach them math. So the same thing goes with emotions. Sometimes they'll be open, but I think because there's just this closeness that we have with our kids and that connection, it's not the same. So it's always great to just seek that outside support and help to kind of help them to get the tools that they need. Um, so I think that a lot of the symptoms that we talked about earlier are all causes for concern, right? I think we shouldn't take it lightly. I think we shouldn't wait. Um, I, I think one of the things that's important is normalizing mental health in the household, normalizing, hey, do you want to talk to someone? Keep on saying it. Do you want to talk to someone? Let me know. Who do you want? You know, and just really helping them through that process can be helpful because they may refuse it at first. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was how do you get a resistant teen to agree to get the help? Because we've had that experience in my home with several of the kids that just said, I don't need the help. I don't want the help. I don't want to talk to somebody. I don't need it. Um, and that was very difficult because I know the, the benefit of it, but I also know that you can't force them to get therapy because they'll just sit there and look at the wall and it could be very uncomfortable. We've been through that too. So um, any tips for that? Yeah. So I, I think with therapy, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's a, it's a 50, 50 relationship. And um, even a lot of my teens in my practice, nothing is forced. And I always say, just come to the first session. And this is an interview. This is like a relationship. It's a connection. How do you feel? Do you feel comfortable? Does it feel right to you? Um, do you feel you can be open to me? And usually teens will know that from the first meeting, sometimes just having also the parent join in on the first session and saying, you know what, I really need you to help me so we can help each other to make things better. Um, if they're still resistant, uh, you know, when things are happening and chaos is unfolding, reminding them like, look, you know, there's so much I can do to help and I need tools as a parent let's do this together. How can, you know, just let's give it a chance and an opportunity. Because I think at the end, it's allowing the team to make that decision. And eventually, honestly, if, if the problems keep on continuing and the pattern keeps on, you know, increasing and not, you know, and the behaviors don't, the negative behaviors don't decrease, eventually they're going to give up. And eventually they're going to say, okay, I think it's important for us as parents not to give up that conversation and to still have it there on the table. And you offer them, like, hey, we'll go together. And if you like it, fine. If you don't, that's okay too. It's like, you know, it's, it's a match. It has to be a match. And I think that's what's important. That's, and that's a good also, point. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you have to. They they have to get along and like their their therapist. It's super super important. It's essential, actually. Otherwise, they're not going to want to go. Um, and so that was really good information, Regine. Thank you so much. Now I know um, we talked about anxiety and we talked about fear, um, but I want to end with something on a really positive mindset. So. Maybe if you can share an exercise or a tool that we can share as parents with our children or teens that can help them have a positive mindset moving forward out of this to help them be really optimistic. Love ending on positives. So, um, you know, one of the first positive tools that comes to my mind that I really love to practice is a grounding mindfulness exercise. And some people just like to do this in silence, some like guided, you know, like a kind of like a guided mindfulness exercise. Um, I particularly love and use every day UCLA Mindful. Um, It's an app you can get on your phone, UCLA Mindful. There's USC Mindful. There's so many mindful apps out there. There's um, just see the one that you kind of connect with. And starting slow, I would say three minutes a day. And if your kid is still resistant, do it together, right? Um, I I think there's so much power in positive thinking. And I'm all about positive thinking, but to be mindful and be careful to not practice toxic positivity, which we hear so much about. And toxic positivity means, well, everything's going to be fine. Mm. Don't worry about it. That's pretty much not listening or validating what they're feeling. So that's another positive tool is, doing something we call active listening, reflective listening, and really thinking about what does your kid need? And they need to feel seen. They need to feel felt. They need to feel heard. And telling them something as powerful as, thank you for sharing. I see that. Or what you're saying and what you're feeling. I can understand what this means. Um, Or help me to better understand So it's all about having them continue on the conversation and you make them feel like the most important person in the room. This is not about our opinion as parents. It's about listening to what they have to say. And we should do the same thing in our relationships, right? This doesn't just go for our kids Uh, because when people feel listened and validated, they feel good. And that kind of creates this really positive vibe in terms of how we interact with one another. That is wonderful, wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Regine, what is the best way for people to connect with you if they like your work? Yes, so uh, they can connect with me on my website. It's uh, Regine Muradian, M-U-R-A-D-I-N.com. Also, I can be found on Instagram. It's Dr. Regine Muradian. And I have a breadth of information as well on um, on both sites. Well, thank you so much. I will be sure to put all of the links in the show notes for you, the listeners. And I really encourage you listeners today, if you're listening and you have children or teenagers, which I know that you do, and you know this is, this is a very sensitive time right now that we're moving into, that we're moving out of and moving into. And so um, I am so thankful that Dr. Regine was here to help us today because it really matters from this point what we do with our kids. We want to give them the best foot forward. We want to give them the best chance of moving out of this time without mental illness, right? And and with positivity and readiness yeah. to move on. And so um, for the listeners, if you liked what Regine said and you think that she can help you, please 
don't just don't hesitate to reach out to her um, and contact her. And also, I will be sure to let you know as well when Dr. Regine lets me know when the teacher training is up and running. I'm going to announce that as well because you want to bring that into your schools, maybe because this is something really amazing to help the entire world move forward. So with that, thank you, Regine, Dr. Regine, for coming on the show today and offering your expertise. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.